Hey guys, this is Jason over at the Coonhound Collective Podcast. I want to take a minute today to let you know about a hunt coming up. It's the King's Tree Jamboree Joy Super Hunt. It'll be held at 375 Nelson Boulevard, King's Tree, South Carolina. This hunt will be February 10th, 11th, and 12th of this year. The deadline is 7 p.m. and you do have to call PKC to get your reservation in now. Must have a minimum of 24 entries by February the 2nd. Don't delay. Get your reservations in today to PKC for the 2022 King Street Jamboree Joy Super Hunt February 10th, 11th, and 12th in King Street, South Carolina. This is your host, Jason Snurgrove, and I will be your guide as we journey down the road to pleasure hunt or hitting the long trail to those great cop hunts. This is the Coon Hound Collective. Okay, that hound audio you hear in the new intro, that hound voice is my hound Ranger. Ranger passed away in early January at the time I'm recording this, it's just been a few days. I wrote something on Facebook that just come to me while I was thinking about Ranger and I thought I would read it here. An empty collar, what does it mean? It can be two different emotions. One is happy, the anticipation of getting that new hound to start the training or to start the hunting process. The other is an emotional roller coaster of good and bad times, a dog that has lived out their years hunting many nights and have passed on to that great coon hunting swamp hill or holler and in this case this is a collar of a hound gone too soon ranger had been battling a sickness for several weeks then several trips to the bed and he just couldn't overcome it he uh, ended up passing away here at the house in the backyard and i was able to bury him down by the pond where a little creek runs by that he treats several coons on i was thankful for the time that i've had with him and he would definitely be missed I do have great videos and audio of him over on Crane Creek Kittles on the YouTube channel. He was not a world champion by any means, and he tree a possum every now and then. I'd get aggravated with him, but I wouldn't take anything for the nights that I had to spend with him in the woods. So as I sit here and think about him today, I hope he trees one for me. Thanks, Ranger, for all the good times. Yeah, you know, so in the in the past couple of years since I started here, we've, we've seen a lot of changes come with the with the uh, TOC uh, birth of the TOC with uh, the top 10 revamp um, and then some of our new uh, media platforms as far as the live coverage at events and, and street live. That is Mr. Trevor Wade with the UKC. Today we're going to talk all things Grand American, Winter Classic, TOC, the World Championship, Automotive, and the Youth National. Stay tuned. You're not going to want to miss this. All right. Thank you for joining us today on the Coonhound Collective Podcast. Today, we're going to have Trevor Wade with UKC. On the podcast, we're going to talk Grand American Wrap-Up, the Winter Classic, all things UKC, upcoming events, and of course, the TOC. Stand by, we're going to get Trevor on the line. Okay, today we have Mr. Trevor Wade with us uh, via telephone. Trevor, thanks for joining us. I really appreciate you uh, taking time out of your day to be on the podcast today. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on, Jason. Glad we can make it work out. Yeah, no, no problem whatsoever. So real quickly, if somebody's been living under a rock out there and don't know who Trevor Wade is, will you uh, give us a brief uh, background of what your title is with UKC, where you're from, and uh, where you uh, currently live? Sure. Yeah, so 
Uh, like you said, name's Trevor Wade, uh, 31 years old, and I'm the Coonhound Program Manager at uh, UKC. Um, been doing this job since June of 2019 is when I first started uh, from a little town in southeast Tennessee called Athens and uh, made the move permanently to Michigan just right after the world hunt in September of 2019. Uh, me and my family moved up here, and that's where we're sitting at right now, yeah. Okay, that's, uh, that sounds pretty cool. Sounds like a uh, pretty sweet job, too. Yeah, not not bad at all. You know, it was uh, it was a big decision to move to, to move my wife and my daughter up here and to move away from everyone I know and all my family. But uh, you know, it's it's kind of a once in a lifetime gig. You know, you don't get many shots at a job opportunity like that. When I was offered the job, and uh, that that was one of the biggest things playing on me. As if I passed it up, it was a job I probably would never have a shot at again. Yeah, sounds like it. And sounds like uh, if you enjoy being around hunts and coon hounds and stuff like that sounds like something that would be right up anybody's alley that enjoys those things right and you put that and uh kind of couple that with moving from southeast tennessee and that coon population to the hunting up here in michigan and uh, that also helped a little bit <laughs> yeah, yeah i've i've heard that i moved around a little bit i'm from southeast alabama originally and we had a pretty decent coon population i currently live in southwest missouri and uh it's not that good but i lived in southern illinois for about a year and it was unbelievable. So uh, we just finished up the Grand American. Um, won't you uh, tell us tell us about that and what kind of entries you had there and the winners and all that stuff? Sure. Yeah. So so as we're talking, it's a Friday after the after the Grand American. So uh, been been a busy week here compiling results, writing articles for the magazine, um, and and everything else, trying to to match up pictures with names and whatnot. Um, but man, the, the Grand American was, uh, had a very success, successful year this year. Um, I think a lot of it can be attributed to, uh, to kind of the downward slope of, of COVID. You know, people aren't as concerned about it as they were this time last year. Um, and also the weather there in Orangeburg made a huge difference. It was, uh, uh very fair weather, no, precip- uh, no precipitation at all. And just, just really good hunting conditions. And that made for a really good hunt. Um, I think when pre-entries closed for their hunt, they were sitting just shy of 400 entries. And uh, you could really tell the, the walk-ups had a huge impact on it. I think they ended up hunting around uh, 540 dogs, uh, give or take a couple. Um, and the show the show had a great turnout. I think it was uh, – I may be wrong, and and, uh, and I apologize if I am, but uh, looking back at UKC's records, which Grand American's been a UKC hunt since 2005, um, this is the biggest show to date for Grand American with UKC, uh, with just the license portion only being over 300, 300 entries. Uh, not counting the non-license portion of the pairs and duels and whatnot. So, man, they had a really, really strong entry this year. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty impressive for sure. That's that's great for the sport, seeing people get back out there and getting involved. Absolutely. And then you said to talk about winners a little bit, and I was able to uh, to, to print off some information here to, to give these dogs and the, the owners and handlers their credit. Um, our overall night hunt uh, champion this year for the Grand American is a uh, – a five-year-old, uh, yeah, five, five-year-old uh, train walker male, Iron Swamp, Carolina, Carolina Clifford, um, owned by Wade, owned and handled by Wade Wyndham of Mount Pleasant, South Carolina. Uh, second place ended up being uh, Wipeout Jenny Juice, a female train walker. Looks like she's three-year-old, owned by William Cochran and Ryan Eady, and handled by Will DeLoach. Um, third place was uh, night champion Roberts Backwoods Quinn, a train walker female uh four-year-old owned and handled by jason roberts and uh fourth place the final dog on the on the 
final cast there was uh, TNT's Big Train, a uh, three-year-old male train walker owned by Trey Yother and handled by Hunter Garnto. Um, when we go over to the show side of things, our overall winner for the weekend was a uh, a red bone male uh, champion, Emerald Emerald uh, Grand Champion in the confirmation show, Skyline's Push My Luck, um, owned by owned and handled by Beth Jenkins. The uh, reserve bench show winner was Grand Champion Two, Melrose Mountain Lead Me Home, uh, female black and tan, owned by Lisa Benfield and Shane Benfield from down in North Carolina. Those were the big winners of the weekend. Well, definitely congratulations to all those people that went out there and participated, the Night Hunt winners and the uh, show winners. Congratulations to them all. Uh, I know there's a lot of work goes into getting a dog ready for the show or for the Night Hunt. So uh, that was a, a big, big round of applause for all those people for sure. Yeah, and, and, and just, just any sort of winner placement at a hunter, hunter show at this size is impressive. So congratulations to all the winners. Uh, Obviously, don't have time to sit here and get them all out, but we have those posted online and they'll be good by the magazine. But I, I would, I would like to mention also the the winners of the youth the youth bench show as well. Miss Jordan Brooks uh, brought home the uh, the overall bin, uh, youth bench show winner, uh, handling her hound uh, grand champion two second wins Barnabas, and the reserve winner was uh, Miss Katie Lewis from Tennessee, handling champion black sheep showing bandit, which she's also an owner of. So a couple, couple young gals uh, bringing home those youth winners with uh, those youth awards with their own hounds. Uh, pretty impressive. Yeah, you know that's that's awesome. I've done another podcast here previously to ours, and that's what we talked about was mostly all youth stuff, and that's a, a big push in our local club is to get more youth involved with the club. You know, going out to these events and and really bringing along the next generation for sure. The more youth in it, the better. That's for sure. Yeah. So uh, as we sit here today, this is the Friday after the Grand American. The Winter Classic uh, entries closed today, right? That, that's correct. Yeah, we're we've been hard at it this whole week. A, a lot of a lot of people here getting in at the last second with their hounds, and uh, uh, t- today at midnight, the, the entries are going to close, and we've kind of shifted our focus towards uh, towards the Winter Classic. So, with the Winter Classic coming on, do you have a rough number of entries that you have so far? It's it's kind of hard to tell. As we're sitting here, we're probably looking around uh, 250 dogs entered a night in the hunt. Um, the show the show will it, it won't surprise me with walkups and everything to hunt about 600 to 700 dogs over the weekend. That's that's about our our par for the course number down there. The show will be a, a big show. Just uh, uh, the pre the entries aren't as prevalent in the show just because there's not as much uh, need for it with the gap in the entry fees, but. Uh, We'll end up having a, a really good size show down there. It always is, and uh, on, on top of that, we have our ten, our uh, top ten bench show uh, kind of culminating there, which is is a big draw uh, where we'll pay out fifteen thousand dollars to uh, to the breed winners for the for the year in the top ten show. Yeah, and being you brought that up, can you uh, go into a little bit of detail on that top ten show? kind of explain what goes on throughout the year to get uh, qualified or get ready to be in that? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the, the top 10 is, is uh, not something new for UKC, but it has been reformatted just recently um, to to bolster it and, and to bring a little more prestige and, and better awards to it, quite frankly. Um, so so uh, it's, it's a year-long series that runs from November 1st to October 31st every year. 
and uh, dogs competing in licensed UK UKC bench shows are going to uh, accumulate points depending on how many dogs they defeat during the year. Uh, so the more the more dogs that are entered in the shows that they win, the more points they accrue. And basically, um, as it name as its name kind of gives away, we take the top ten in each breed at the end of that year and uh, get them invited here to the Winter Classic where. Uh, they'll first compete against each other, show to a panel of three uh, unbiased quality judges, and uh, we'll get a breed winner from each, uh, obviously a winner from each breed, and they're going to get $2,000 apiece, and then those seven breed winners are going to come back and show for the overall top 10 bid show winner and an extra $1,000. Hey guys, this is Jason over at the Coonhound Collective Podcast. If you're thinking about swapping to a different dog feed, give my friends a look over at ExtremeDogField.com. They carry two different lines. They carry an Elite and a Professional. The Professional has corn, wheat, and soy in it. The Elite does not have corn, wheat, and soy. Go over to ExtremeDogField.com. See which line and which mixture is right for you. Find a retailer near you. If you're in the southwest Missouri, northwest Arkansas area, you can't find a retailer and you want to give it a shot, Hit me up at the Coonhound Collective at gmail.com. I am a current dealer for Extreme Dog Fuel. I can get you price and I can get you dog feed. Again, go see my friends over at extremedogfuel.com. You won't be disappointed. Yeah, that's that's a really great setup, great prize, and I think it's great. Uh, for UKC to step up and revamp that program to really try to get more people involved in the uh, bench show. I know, me personally, I never have really showed in a bench, but I did start showing a little bit last year uh, on the bench show stuff, and my kids have definitely started showing some in the bench. And there's a lot more work that goes into getting a dog ready to show on a bench. Um, then I think people re- even realize I've got a puppy I'm working right now, you know, to get ready to really start hunting, but I've started working or some on the bench and well, it takes a, take a lot of patience to get one to, uh, to do like you want them to for sure. Yeah. Anyone making it to the top 10 bench show, they're not going to be there by accident. It's going to be a lot of time and investment into these, these hounds that they're showing. Um, obviously very strict diets, you know, uh, uh, very, uh, strenuous workout, uh, routines. And a lot of them hunt these dogs. Uh, there's more crossover than people think. And, uh, and when we get on a, a, a show of this level, uh, there's not going to be any slouches in the ring that day. I can promise you that. Yeah. You, you, you definitely need to be on your A game when you, when you show up that day. Okay. So, uh, what, da- what are the dates exactly for the winter classic? Yeah. So, so for the Winter Classic themselves, they're going to be February 11th and 12th uh, in Batesville, Mississippi at the Batesville Civic Center. Um, we do have a couple of warm-up slams uh, heading into that weekend on uh, Wednesday and Thursday night. Uh, they'll be there at the Civic Center as well. They'll be hosted by a couple of local clubs in the area, so those will be on the 9th and 10th. And there's actually, a, 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 apart from the Winter Classic itself, those, those warm-up slams are are uh, a pretty big deal we usually get some pretty big crowds at those hunts um Yukonuba has uh has sponsored those hunts uh, give it a thousand dollar added purse each night and then also the mississippi raccoon hunters association has added in 500 uh dollars added each night as well for anyone who wins that's a member and you can sign up uh to be a member there that night so it's a pretty good deal uh the clubs put a lot of thought and effort into it, and it turns out to be a, a pretty good week for, for the state of Mississippi. Yeah. Well, I, I'm going to take a minute here to mention the Mississippi Raccoon Hunters Association. seems like every time I turn around, I'm hearing something about the Mississippi 
uh, Raccoon Hunters Association. They have uh, really stepped up and uh, getting involved in, you know, not even, you know, UKC, but all registries. And, you know, they really help promote the youth and stuff like that. So I think uh, they're doing a good thing. And there's some of us other ones that we need to step up and follow suit. Right. So those, those guys, those guys and gals affiliated with that association do a great job. And honestly, it's a big weekend for them because anyone that's affiliated with any sort of those associations know that there's strength in numbers. And that's a good opportunity for them to get memberships from people who may not be at their events, that may not live in the, the state of Mississippi. But it's worth uh, signing up for their association for an extra 20 bucks or so. I'm not sure exactly how much it is. And then having a chance at an extra you know, $500 payout makes a lot of sense for everybody involved. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. As we sit today, we're in January of 2022. Uh, the TOC is closed now for qualifications for hunting in this year, right? That's right. The, the qualifying season is over. It ran from January 1, 2021 to December 31st, 2021. Um, so it's over. We we are taking this month of January to get in the rest of our uh, 2021 reports. A uh, lot of them from December still making their way in the office. And uh, hope to have a final uh, list tallied by the end of this month and uh, get out some uh, certificates of achievement and some entry information for folks in uh, early February before we open up the entries for people in the middle of February next month. Okay. And how many dogs did y'all hunt there last year? Uh, so so last year we had around uh, uh, 1,050 dogs qualified. And I think we ended up with about 670 entered into our five regions. Yeah, and and as of us sitting here right now, uh, the numbers are way up this year. Um, I I updated the list on Tuesday of this week, which would have been the 11th, and we were sitting at uh, over 1,300 dogs uh, qualified for the event. So I think the the numbers of dogs entered in the region is going to see a, a big increase in that as well. Yeah, that is, that's awesome. That, that's what I was getting at because I, I kind of had a feeling the numbers had jumped quite a bit and uh, I didn't I didn't have an exact number, but I, I thought I'd seen you had posted somewhere around 1,300, you thought. Right, and it, it's not going to surprise me as we get uh, get uh, the rest of these reports in and it's not going to surprise me if we, if we flirt with, a, with 1,400 dogs. It, it really won't because a lot of people... Just according to my social media platforms and phone calls, a lot of people were squeaking out them last wins there at the end of the year. <laughs> yeah, I know we had a guy come from like eight hours away to hunt at our last UKC hunt, trying to get a win to get qualified there. So, yeah, I know that's that has really helped uh, get more people into you know clubs around the country, I'm sure, to get their five wins in to uh, to get qualified. Right, and, and you know, that, that was... Uh, the big point of the inception is that to try to help help the clubs around the country uh, uh, boost their entries and uh, you know keep, keep their doors open. I know it's it's not easy for the local clubs with all the uh, the big events going on in the country all the time, but uh, uh, we're seeing an increase in entries and uh, hopefully the clubs are benefiting from from this program a little bit. Yeah. So uh, we've talked about three pretty good size hunts, the Winter Classic, uh, the Grand American, and of course the TOC. Can you speak just a little bit to what goes into getting something like those ready to go? Because obviously y'all did not start planning to do the Winter Classic last week. Right, right. And, and you know, we, we uh, it, it's, it's, a, it's a yearly thing for all these events. There's, there's uh, meetings throughout the year. 
there's different uh, tasks that we need to get done by certain deadlines um, leading up to events. So uh, planning for the Winter Classic uh, for this year started right after the Winter Classic last year. After after the event, we would have had a big sit, sit down with everyone involved in it, talk about what our weaknesses were, where we need to improve and uh, how, how to improve it for this year. So uh, it's been ongoing for some time, uh, just the Winter Classic in, in general. And it, it's like that for all our major events. You know, we're working towards plans for COC finals. We're working on automotive plans. We're working on world championship plans already. Um, it, it's always going, and we have a really strong team, not only Alan and I and our uh, and our folks in the hunting ops department, but also we have, uh, you know, our media team that is always uh, pushing our, our events on social media platforms and on the website. We have our uh, major events team, which is always in the planning stages of things and looking ahead. And uh, it's, a, it's a full team effort. It takes everyone's uh, best effort. And, uh, and it's, it's always we're always working towards making a better a better event. Yeah, well, and you can, I mean, just the coverage that I've seen on the TOC last year, I mean, you could really tell there was some time, and not only time, but definitely some money put into that to get that top-notch and, and up and ready to go. Right, and that was our first uh, first live coverage event. Uh, you know, we, we learned a lot on the fly. We do have some folks in our media department who are more well-versed than, than us in, in those things, and they, they help to make uh, make it a more streamlined process. But I can already tell from uh, the TOC finals to the world finals that, that we're getting better at some things. There's still an opportunity for for getting better, but I think that's always the case. You're always striving to make a better product. And But, yeah, the, the, I was so tickled to see how both the TOC finals and the world finals, how the live shows went. Um, a lot of time and effort and thought and idea went into it, and uh, – Man, I couldn't be more pleased with how those how those things are coming out, and I think we're just going to get better and better with that as time as time goes on. Yeah, and with the TOC coming up, um, where where is it going to be held this year? Do you have the dates and all that yet? Yeah, yeah, sure. I, I have, uh, uh, of course, first the regions. Uh, I I don't know exactly what our uh, entry deadline is going to be. Probably going to be somewhere in the middle of March. And our regions are going to be uh, April 1st and 2nd this year. Um, and they are going to be in the same spots as last year we have. We're going to try to keep them uh, there for at least a couple of years for some continuity but uh, for those clubs. But uh, the five regions are uh, Bloomfield, Iowa, Mount Gilead, Ohio, Conway, Arkansas, Comer, Georgia, and Lancaster, Kentucky. Um, and the finals are going to be uh, – towards the end of April, April 22nd, 23rd, and that's going to be in Greencastle, Indiana again. Okay. Yeah, that's uh, that's definitely seems to be the uh, hunt to get to, for sure. If you can can get qualified and get through the regionals, I, I think that is something everybody's pushing to do, for sure. Yeah, and, uh, man, it's it's been something to see the, the positive support for this hunt. Um, and, man, I, just, I know I have a lot of events between – now and then but man it's hard not to look ahead and, um, and be excited for the regions i absolutely love the weekend of the of the regions and zone whenever you see everybody's draw out and the scores roll in and then uh, the finals that's uh it was probably uh one of my it's definitely my proudest moment at ukc on the night of the finals last year whenever uh, everything came together during the live show and they gave away that fifty thousand dollars to the to the overall winner and man i'm just i'm tickled for it already and it's, it's still uh a long ways away I feel like yeah well you know when you get busy to be here for you know it it don't take long that's for sure 
Absolutely. So uh, I noticed there was a post on, I think, Facebook the other day. There was for the, I guess, 2023 TOC, there was some um, California or something was added to it. Yeah, I think what you may be referring to is actually for the folks, uh, for the qualifiers this year. And I want to say that uh, like there's over 35 states going to be represented uh, of the dogs qualified. And I think one of the one of the dogs that had just got qualified in the last update owner owner lives out in California. So that was that was pretty neat to see because you don't usually hear of hounds out that way. Yeah, for sure. I was when I seen that lit up on the map, I thought. That's that's crazy. I, I I didn't know uh, there was coon hounds out that way. I mean, I know there's hounds out there for big game and stuff. I just you don't hear a lot about you know coon hounds out that way. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, I think it's probably uh, Mr. Uh, Doctor Alan Halad out there that lives a uh, veterinarian out in California. Probably someone over here in in our part of the country hunting one of his red dogs and got qualified. If I if I, if I were to guess, but I don't have that uh, concrete. Yeah, for sure. So. Um, after the TOC, of course, you know the next big big hunt will be uh, Autumn Oaks. Um, what what does it take to get ready for a hunt like Autumn Oaks? I mean that that seems to be a, a big deal. A lot of people I talk to, that's the one they really try to get to. Unfortunately, uh, I've never been to that one. I have been to the Winter Classic when it was in Albany, Georgia. But um, what what does it take to get ready? Because I mean, it seems like this is just like rapid fire this time of year for y'all to go from Grand America Winter Classic TOC, and then not that there's a lull, but maybe not quite as big of hunts, and then you have Autumn Oaks, and then uh, of course the World Championship. No, oh, yeah, you're you're exactly right. Autumn Oaks is is the one event uh, on the schedule that seems to take up the most time in planning. And I think it's just caused all the moving pieces. Uh, we're looking at a lot of people, looking at a lot of entries, um, and it, it does take a lot of time and a lot of effort to put that event on, um, and with good reason. You know, it's uh, it is uh, one of the bigger hound hunting events in the world, um, and it's a it's a packed weekend full of stuff, and we try to make the best of it uh, from, from the very top to the bottom. Uh, there's going to be a lot of people there, and, uh, you know, like you said, there is a little bit of time between our the end of our spring season where our uh, uh, breed days and, and youth nationals and stuff in to give some time to work towards the the final touches of autumn oaks. But if you wait till that time to to get the ball rolling, you're already behind and you're not probably not going to get called up. So yeah, we're already working towards towards autumn oaks and uh, and getting things in place for that event because that one is uh, is the one that takes uh, the most effort in my opinion. Yeah. It- for sure, it could seem like it because uh, seems like there's a lot of people that they really get prepared, you know, use their vacations, whatever they have to do to go out there to uh, Autumn Oaks. I know there's a lot of people I talk to living here in Southwest Missouri. That's the one they really get prepared to to go to. Hey, yeah, you know it's 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 a great it's a great event. It's a great hunt. It's a great bench show. Um, but but the thing that's most rewarding is seeing folks pull their pull their camper down there. And set up with their buddies, um, and and their and their lot and their friends that they they only get to see that one time a year, and it's it, it's kind of humbling to see how many people use that weekend as their vacation. Um, it's it's an important weekend, and uh, man, it, it makes it a really big deal to have that many people there. Yeah. So you touched on the youth nationals there. Can can you talk a little bit about the youth program with UKC? What goes into the youth nationals and et cetera? Right. So, 
so when we talk about the youth programs and the Coontown portion of UKC, I'm kind of three three things are coming to mind for me. Um, first would be uh, our, our youth national event, which is in the end of July every year, and we kind of moved around. Last year it was it was over uh, I guess close to your country. It was uh, in Miami or Miami, Oklahoma. I should get that right, so I don't get the get yelled at by the locals over there. But, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, so this coming year it's going to be uh, back in Ohio, uh, in Medina, and um, you know we'll have uh, we'll have a, a pretty good sized hunt and show there, and uh, give away ten thousand dollars in scholarship money to the youth and, and some other stuff. There'll be other prizes and uh, you know raffles and 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 stuff like that. And it's it's a big weekend for us to just to shine the spotlight on the youth of our sport. Uh, but that's that's not all we have going on for the youth. Uh, one thing that we we put a lot of effort and, and time into is our youth spotlight series, which is another year-long series that we have that runs from uh, the very beginning of June, June first to May thirty-first every year. It's sponsored by Bright Eyes Lights. Mr. Ray Conrad with Bright Eyes puts a a lot into that. He actually gives uh, you know every every uh, winner of that a uh, a Bright Eyes light as well as uh, all the all the top 10 for the, for the youth nationals. And it does culminate at youth nationals. We'll, we'll uh, award our spotlight series winners there on Saturday morning at youth nationals and kind of uh, congratulate those kids in front of their peers. And, uh, you know, the last thing is we have what we call the youth educational program going year round. And this is something where every club has the opportunity to host a, what we call a YEP event. So that stands for youth Edu- educational program. And uh, it's it's just a way for for every club to give the kids in their club an opportunity to come and compete and to learn something. They are are required to have some sort of class there where they can keep, teach the kids about you know night hunt rules, uh, how to take care of their dog, uh, show etiquette, what a bench show judge is looking at, different things, uh, just to help them learn and and become uh, more well versed in the sport. And all all those youth events are free of charge to the club, so uh, there's no there's no reason for the clubs uh, not to have it. Just have to uh, put the effort in it and uh, and uh, hopefully get some more kids involved in their area. Okay, so with the Yelp program, uh, is there someone specific that a club out there listing, maybe they're interested in finding out more information about that? Is there someone specific they need to get in touch with at UKC? Uh, no, not specifically. Any any one of us in the hunting department can uh can talk to them if, if they want to call and talk to me i'm usually available for a phone call and a chat uh so you just just reach out to our hunting ops department we can give you any information that you need okay yeah because i think that's a uh, big push for our club is we we really want to see more youth get involved um you know come out and eat, whether they've coon hunted ever or not you know we're going to try to hold a non-sanctioned youth club hunt once a month starting in the spring for three or four or five months and you know kind of kind of go along with the with the same thing you were saying there just to try to get more youth involved because obviously they are the future of our sport right yeah it's encouraging to hear when clubs are putting effort into into the youth um, because it takes everybody to you know there's a there's a lot of activities out there that a youth can be involved in you know and that we have to make uh, hunting and coon hunting specifically right now, uh, you know, make it worth their while to come out and compete in it to get them away from uh, other things or, or priorities they may have right now. Yeah, for, for sure. Um, yeah, I always enjoy it when my kids, you know, 
want to to go with me. I, sometimes I have to ask, "Hey, you want to go?" And then there's other times they they know I'm going and they're just they're ready to go. So uh, it's always enjoyable when they go, and you know we get to get out in the woods and enjoy the outdoors together and enjoy our dogs together for sure. Absolutely, yeah, and I'm kind of uh, uh, reaping reaping the benefits of that right now. I have a young daughter who's three, about to turn four years old, and I sure eat it up whenever she wants to go coon or squirrel hunt with me or just anything in the woods. Uh, going to enjoy every bit of it. Yeah, I've seen some some pictures of her on uh, Facebook and stuff, and she she is a cutie for sure, and she she would definitely make you a good coon hunting partner one day when she gets a little bigger yeah. and you ain't got to drag her through the snow. <laughs> That's right, yeah. That's right. Yes, sir. So is there anything new or upcoming for UKC in the future that uh, you can – Tell us about, or are we just going to try to improve on what we have going now? Yeah, you know, so in the in the past couple of years since I started here, we've we've seen a lot of changes come with the with the uh, TOC uh, birth of the TOC with the, the top ten revamp, um, and then some of our new uh, media platforms as far as the live coverage at events and and streamlining uh, videos and results and whatnot. Um, as far as new things on the horizon, there's there's not much in the works right now that hasn't already been released. You know, uh, we just kind of uh, released our zone and final locations not too long ago, so uh, some of that may be uh, pertinent information that people not have, may not have heard. So, uh, our, we have uh, seven zone locations for 2022. Uh, they'll be all over the country, but I can run through them real quick and hopefully not take too much time. But uh, Brooklyn, Wisconsin, Parker, Parker, Pennsylvania, Portland, Indiana, Palmyra, Missouri, Pilot Mountain, North Carolina, Clarksville, Georgia, and Queen City, Texas are going to be our seven uh, zone locations, and those will be on September 16th and 17th. And our world finals this year is actually going south, uh, so it'll be September 22nd, 23rd, and 24th in Dyersburg, Tennessee, over over near the Mississippi River in the Delta. So. Yeah, I seen I seen that was posted, and I was looking at it. it's not too terribly far from me, about four and a half hours. So it's pretty exciting that it's that it's going to be this this close to me for sure. And uh, you know, it's always exciting you, you get a dog qualified for that, and you know, just to make it to that top, you know, one hundred or one hundred plus, you know, whatever it is. I mean, that's an accomplishment in itself. I've done a previous podcast with a guy that's got two different dogs into that top one hundred before, and you know, just to do that, there's a lot of work goes in on the hunter, the dog, the traveling, you know, a lot of their time and money spent just to get there. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you said that. The, the, the world hunt is, in my opinion, one of the, the harder hunts there is. First, you got to win a, an RQE at some point in the year and make it to the zones. And the zones is always very competitive. A dog has to be consistent there and not make any mistakes uh, for chance of getting scratched or minus out or, or what have you. And then once you make it through those, uh, then, then you're staring down a hundred of the best dogs in the country, um, in a part of the country that you're probably not as familiar with because we do move it around quite often. So, um, it's, it's, it's hard to make it there and it's a huge accomplishment to make it there. And it's, uh, you know, it's something to hang your hat on if you do make it there. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. Hopefully one day I'll have a dog good enough. I can get there. <laughs> but, uh, um, so if, if that's everything, uh, I think we covered everything there uh, that we wanted to, to get covered and get out there to the people. Uh, do you have a uh, funny coon hunting story that happened to you or 
you were out with somebody or somebody you know or or even just a coon hunting story in general whether funny or not yeah so i you you asked me about this and uh uh, you didn't ask me about this particularly, but we kind of went over what we might talk about in this and gathered some information about it. And man, I was thinking, I have so many good coon hunting memories. And I'm just, you know, I, uh, my mind went to some hunts with my daughter recently. Uh, and then also, you know, I remember a, a really great hunt I had on Father's Day. Uh, I don't know, maybe a half dozen years ago with my dad. But uh, I'll, I will tell one, one, uh, <laughs> pretty funny one from from back when i was really just first getting into it i wasn't uh it, it must have been you know 10 10 years ago or more um and i had talked my brother into, into going hunting with me and, and a buddy of mine that i hunted with a lot and uh you know it was his first time going he's uh he's more into the deer hunting turkey hunting thing and not as big into the coon hunt thing so i was really hoping to get him hooked to it and uh we had an older english female at the time who was a pretty pretty fair coon dog and uh, we cut her loose in there and she ran a really nice track up over, uh, over a pretty good sized ridge and got out of hearing from us. And we kind of circled around the ridge there and, uh, should, should have been able to hear her. I think we were a couple hundred yards from the ones we got around the ridge and there was nothing, but she wasn't moving. Her tree switch was on. So we get down there and, uh, and actually found her down in the, in the creek bottom and something, I don't know, uh, something in her legs could, wasn't walking, wasn't putting any pressure on it. So. We're a couple ridges from the truck at that point. Um, dog can't walk. So, uh, so my brother who I had tag along for the first time ever on a scoon hunt got to, got to take turns with me on carrying my dog out on his shoulders. And, uh, he wasn't too apt to go after that, but I guess that's a good way to break yourself in, right? Yeah. yeah most, most definitely <laughs> toting a dog out of, <laughs> out of any type of mountains, uh, is, uh, is not fun for sure. But, uh, yeah, you 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 either make a coon hunter or break a coon hunter that way. <laughs> I can still talk him into coming with me every now and then, but he never just uh, got the itch like I got. Maybe that's the reason. Maybe I ruined him early. Yeah, well, I, he he might be more willing to go with you up where you live now. From I've never been up there uh, coon hunting, and from what I hear, it is unbelievable hunting. Oh yeah, there's. Uh, a lot of flat country, a lot of water, a lot of crops, and uh, yeah, good, a lot of good coon population. But the only problem is that they usually come down on uh, holidays when they can get away from work. So they were just here uh, last week around Christmas and New Year's, and uh, we got a, I think, 16 inches of snow. So uh, wasn't much hunting that week when they were here. <laughs> yeah, well, that's uh, I'm uh, when we get done with this podcast, I am going to salt a parking lot because we we're supposed to get couple inches of snow here tonight and, and into the morning but uh hopefully we don't get too much I, I i like to look at it but i don't like for it to be around very long that's right it's a lot of work and it was a lot better when we were kids that's for sure yeah absolutely absolutely well uh trevor if there's nothing else i think we'll we'll close her down here i really appreciate you taking your time to be on the coonhound collective podcast and if there's ever anything that you need to get out uh pretty quick to the public don't hesitate to reach out to me would love to love to get it put out there for you and hopefully maybe we can do this again after the uh toc maybe middle way through the season and kind of get an update of where things are and just kind of touch on everything that's that's went on Hey, absolutely, man. I enjoyed myself, and I appreciate you using the platform to let us talk a little bit about 
uh, some of our upcoming events and whatnot. And uh, yeah, man, I look forward to future conversations with you. Yeah, I, sh- I really do appreciate it, man. All right. Guys. I hope you have a good one, buddy. Thanks, guys, for listening to the Coonhound Collective podcast today. We really appreciate you taking your time out of your day to listen to the podcast. If you don't mind, head over to Facebook and give us a like, and head over to Instagram and give us a follow. It's both at The Coonhound Collective. Also, if you would like to reach us here at The Coonhound Collective, you can reach us at thecoonhoundcollective at gmail.com. If there's someone that you would like to hear on the podcast or a product that you would like to hear talked about, please send it to The Coonhound Collective at gmail.com. Thanks again. Have a great day.